You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hello, you're joining me for episode 233, and today I'm bringing you an interview with a real estate expert. You know, I've had so many questions over the years from my listeners about buying homes and blending families and how did they do this with ease, and there's actually a lot to think about when it comes to two families, so I think you'll really enjoy the conversation between my guest Cynthia Cummins and myself. But first, I'll just get to a few announcements. You might have noticed that I've been trying to get back on a consistent schedule for you. Now that life slowed down a little bit, I'm able to do it, but I have so much more planned. Just hang in there. The last six to 12 months for me have not gone as I planned, not, not just the worldwide events, but also my physical issues with my pain. That really set me back a lot this year, and I'm still trying to heal. I'm wearing that special belt they told me to get, and it really is helping me with some of the pain, but my body's not holding adjustments, and so I'm still, you know, dealing with chronic daily pain, but now that I'm practicing self-care and I'm taking much better care of myself on a daily basis, I'm meditating, I'm actually eating a few meals a day, <laughs> I can tell that I've started the healing process. It's just taking longer than I want, but... I'm getting better every day. So I've got tons of great interviews coming out in the next couple of months. And I hope that they're really going to help you as you hopefully begin the transition of getting your kids back to school and trying to have some normalcy return to your lives. I do still believe that we have a rough few months ahead until our United States election the entire world is in chaos right now for so many reasons. In fact, I'm actually recording this right after the giant explosion in Beirut, Lebanon, that you must have heard about by now. There's mass fires, protests, riots. This is, this is a time of turbulence in the world, but I really want to encourage you all to try and stay out of fear, which is really hard to do when you look around at what's going on. But when we're in fear, we really don't see things rationally for what they are. And uh, I'll probably record like a bonus episode on this topic because I don't really know how far I want to go down the rabbit hole on this show. I know this is a blended family podcast and you have plenty of places to go to get this information. Uh, and that's why I've been really reluctant to even talk about some of these topics that are pretty controversial. Some might call them conspiracies, but there's actually stuff going on right now. Uh, most importantly, massive, massive amounts of sex trafficking in this in this whole entire world, not just in the United States. So and it's it's really, really bad. And many of you probably have seen some of this stuff uh, circulating around in social media. So um, but I've done a lot of research, my husband and I, and we feel kind of obligated to share some of the information that we learned uh, because I do have a platform and I know that the information 
can really help some people. So just look out for the bonus episode. I'll try to do it sometime this month. If I'm brave enough, I don't know. Uh, But you can always subscribe to the show if you haven't already so that way you don't miss a single episode. Because if that does come out, it probably won't come out on typically on a Monday like my other shows. I'm probably just going to do it and throw it up. So I'm also going to be doing some more uh, Q&A shows. So if you have questions that you want me to answer on the show, please send them to me at melissa at blendedfamilypodcast.com. And the best chance, of course, of having your question read on the show is if I think it can be relevant for a large portion of you, my audience. Otherwise, I'll answer it privately. And always let me know if you don't want me to read something publicly because I would definitely honor that. And uh, that's really all I have for you today. I hope that you enjoy this interview and I will be back next week with another show. Hello, I am so excited today to bring you this special guest. Miss Cynthia Cummins is a top realtor and mindful living expert in San Francisco with three decades of hard won wisdom on everything to do with home and real estate. Her blog, realestatetherapy.org, addresses the deeper meanings of home and real estate, and her perspectives on that subject shed new light on a topic that's usually reduced to a recitation of statistics and top 10 tips for the homeowner. So I'm really excited to have a realtor on the show today. Welcome to the show, Cynthia. Hi, Melissa. I'm really happy to be here. And... um... Thank you for letting me into your virtual home this morning. Of course. And I'm so happy to have you here because I have not yet really broached this topic on the show in the five years we've been doing it. We haven't really talked about this, but yet it's something that I get so many questions on all the time, especially for newer families that are getting ready to take that leap and move in together. And they're just filled with questions because they want to make sure that it's done correctly. And there's some things I I like your perspective because you really do place a different perspective on things. And you ask us to look at some things that normally we may not even think of. So we definitely have a full show today and we have lots of things to talk about. Uh, But first, let's just talk a little bit about your blended family because I know it kind of shaped what you do today and it's kind of helped you in your business. So why don't you tell us about that first? Well, I, um, so I have um, two grown sons who are in their 20s now. Um, And I, so when they were teenagers, I um, had a, went through a divorce and found a new partner. And he and I uh, ended up moving in together. I moved into his house uh, sort of gradually. And I left a lot of my stuff at the the old house and I would sort of go back and forth um, for a while. Like I'd spend three nights at my former home and then four nights at my new home. And at first, the children stayed only in their own home, and um, and then they started coming over to the new house a little bit, and um, and my my new partner had a son, has a son who's the same age as my oldest son, so um, and we were here in San Francisco where 
uh, real estate is very precious. Square footage costs a lot. And so it was the, the three boys and my partner, Kevin, and me living in a 1,300-square-foot house with one bathroom. And it, it all went really well. But looking back, I know for sure that we could have brought a little more attention to the, to the whole process. I thought that I was being mindful, and I was in a lot of ways. And, and me and my, my ex-husband and my new partner were all acting out of as much love and respect as we could, but um, there's still some things that could have been handled better. My goodness. Yeah, we are, we're seven people, but not all seven are here always at the same time. But there have been times when there has been seven of us and our house is, I think it's about 2,400 square feet. And we mm-hmm. find that it's very, very cramped because not everybody has their own room. And of course, the bathroom thing, like we have three bathrooms here. But of course, very strange arrangement because I don't know why they did this, but they put actually two bathrooms in the master. It's like a his and her master. It's really weird. And of course, now I love it. You know, what one bathroom has the shower, one has the tub. So we have to share anyway. But half of the times the kids are coming into our room to use our bathrooms because there's only one out there. I don't know how you did it with three teenage boys. I mean, I guess it's better than having three teenage girls. But still, that is a lot with one bathroom. How did you even manage to have your own space? (laughs) Well, what, I think one thing that was interesting is that we all got very intimate very quickly, right? Um, there's nothing like needing to get in the bathroom to make it real. And um, everybody had to just sort of give up on the, you know, the um, very basic um, illusion that none of us have needs, right? <laughs> That uh, so we all had a very primary need, which um, would usually roaring to the front in the morning around breakfast time. So um, I, that was good because it established the you know nobody could be having um, a little hissy fit over the bathroom situation. We just had to deal with it. Wow. Yeah. Well, once again, I say thank goodness there were not females involved because then you're dealing with the makeup and the and forget about it, the shaving, all of it. So tell me, Cynthia, what do you love about real estate? What prompted you to really get involved with real estate so long ago? Huh. Um, real estate, my, pat, my, my entry to real estate career was a little bit accidental. I was kind of um, unhappy with the job that I had in public relations. I had a background as a writer. I was working in PR for a big uh, retail company based here in San Francisco. And it was very unsatisfying. My, <clears throat> my uh, boyfriend at the time, who was, became my husband and is now my ex-husband, he, unlike me, didn't have any real uh, marketable skills. Uh, he'd been a small business owner and we moved to San Francisco together and he thought, you know, I'll get my real estate license, right? May as well try that. I think there's an old saying that's like those who can't do anything else do real estate, right? 
Um, so he, he got his license and I was unhappy with my job. I ended up leaving and he said, well, you know, if you're going to be miserable, you may as well get paid for it. So why don't you give real estate a try? And I, who can't sell anything, have never been able to sell. I couldn't even sell Girl Scout cookies. Um, I ended up, um, loving my job because I found out that I wasn't selling anything. I was just being an ally to people and helping them find their home. So that's, that's 30 years ago. So obviously it worked out and I totally understand what you mean. And so when you're helping people, it's a completely different feeling. And of course you're helping them with one of the most important decisions of their life was finding a home. Now you do a blog, which is, uh, which people can find at realestatetherapy.org, which I'm going to link to in the show notes. And it's just a really mm -hmm. nice blog about all kinds of things. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your blog and what you offer there? <laughs> my, well, my blog came out of a wish to blend my writing life with my life as a realtor. I thought, why don't I start writing about real estate? And it also coincided with a growing interest in uh, Buddhism, um, the development of what I call a very sloppy Buddhist practice that I have. And more and more, I kept finding that what I was seeing every day in real estate was people trying to live their best life and to find their way and to um, really uh, make a home inside themselves, like come to be who they're meant to be. And, and finding the external home is just sort of a, a symptom of that or an outward expression of that. And so it's an endlessly, endlessly fascinating topic to me. And um, I've been able to entertain myself doing it. And I think over the years, I've gleaned a lot of wisdom about what it means to make a home. Um, I also write some pretty humorous and silly things, again, because part of this is just to make my work as a realtor more interesting uh, to me. Well, that's amazing. And I love the blog. I was taking a peek around over there. Uh, and I came across one blog that I want to talk about because I think, I think finding a good living arrangement or creating a good living arrangement is so essential, especially in a blended family, because as you know, from your own experience, there's just some added dynamics and things that a blended family has to think about that a traditional family doesn't. And so it's so extremely important. And so you wrote this one blog called Lessons from Fairyland, Cinderella. And you talk about going into a blended family home with, with intention. And so, of course, I invite the listeners to go read that blog. It's not, it, that post is not very long, but it's just really interesting. And uh, so why, why, Cynthia, is it so important to go into the process with intention? <laughs> well, um, well, all sorts of, <clears throat> all sorts of things can happen if you do things uh, without intention. Um, in the case of uh, poor Cinderella, I always wonder about poor Cinderella's uh, father, you know, 
what it was like for him um, after he put his daughter in this terrible situation. Um, but uh, the the intention part, you know, I think that nothing is ever perfect. And that might be one of the first intentions that we should always have is uh, we might think that we're in control and we might do everything we can and we should do everything we can to uh, go into things with intention and to try and consider the feelings and the needs of all the people in our lives who we love all the members of the family, but we also have to know that nothing is perfect and it's never going to be. Um, so beginning with that, I think, can give us um, a, little, a little break, a little forgiveness um, to be imperfect and it gives us space to try and get to what really matters and to figure out how to make a home that has meaning and that feels good to everybody. Uh, that's kind of a rambling answer, but um, that's no, where actually, I think intention begins. I think that's a great answer. And I think it's really important because I know with many people when starting a new arrangement, a lot of us do have a fairy tale in mind. So we go into it thinking, <laughs> this is going to be wonderful. It's going to be perfect. This is my new family. Everything, everyone's going to get along great. And you have all of these, you have intentions of it being amazing, but you don't really set intentions on how to make it amazing and what the realistic expectations of that it's not going to be a fairy tale. It's definitely not. It's a blended family. It's it's pretty much the opposite of a fairy tale, if I can be honest. That doesn't mean it's not worth it, but it's definitely challenging. So I love that you said that because I think that that's why most people feel like a failure after the first year or two or even three they say, I, I feel like I'm failing. This isn't working. Well, it's not always supposed to work like you thought it was going to. And I think that if we can remove that expectation right away, I think it saves us all a lot of grief. So that was a wonderful answer. Um, and a lot of families that contact me are, a lot of them are not living together yet. And they contact me before this happens. And they say, hey, we're getting ready to take that step. What, what are some things that I need to know or that I need to think about? And so I can, of course, always give my answers, but I love that you're here today because you have our expert opinion here. So I want to know if you can give our families maybe two or three things that they should consider if they are thinking of making that leap, if they're thinking that this might be a good decision for their blended family to move forward. What are some things they should think about beforehand that are really important? Well, I think that... Um, first of all, know that it's not going to be perfect. Um, second, it is not a fairy tale, right? I mean, even we even we go into our relationships thinking that we're going to have a fairy tale romance, that we're going to have a fairy tale marriage. Um, we're not going to have a fairy tale family, and we're not going to have a fairy tale blended family either. Um, and we're all just humans. Think trying to get that we are human, that we're striving forward, and that's a good beginning. Um, I think that, uh, here's the tip that I wish someone had told me about. Um, I had 
really an amazing divorce. I, as far as I'm concerned, it was a model for other people to follow. My um, then husband and I decided that the most important thing for us was to retain a sense that we were still a family and to act out of love and respect for each other. And, you know, that all sounds really good on paper, but when the devil is in the details, as we all know, um, but we were very careful. We spent a lot of time, we did a, a um, what do they call it, a collaborative divorce. We each had a counselor who helped us through some of the tough, tough patches, uh, which was some of the best money that I've ever spent. And we did a really good job. Um, now, <laughs> what, what I learned later is that just because we were doing a good job getting a divorce didn't mean that we were doing a good job uh, for, the, for the kids. And there wasn't a lot of space for the children to act out about it or be upset about it or be sad about it because we could always just say, look, we're fine. We're just fine. Um, what are you, what are you worried about? You know, your father and I still love each other. <laughs> and um, I think that, that where I'm going with that is that the children need to be heard and they may not be as passive as that. It may be important to figure out how to give them a voice, to encourage them to have some say in the matter, to be able to at least express their feelings about what's going on. Um, I, early in our blended family experience, I uh, took us all out to the movies and um, all three boys and my partner and me and I made these little um, apple muffins with a lot of love. I put a lot of love into these little apple muffins that I took in a bag. And we had those along with the popcorn. And I handed them out, you know, kind of passed them down the row. And they were, they were delicious and they smelled fabulous. I looked at the three boys' faces and it was just horrible. They, they didn't want to be at the movies. They didn't want the apple muffin. And nobody had, nobody had asked them if they really wanted to be there. I thought this was a fun family outing. They would have done anything to not be there. And um, I realized that I really needed to try and figure out how to take their feelings and their wishes into account in a more active and intentional way. Um, so that those are that's two things I would say to start. Yeah, no, that's great. And and again with children, it's true. Many times we don't consider their feelings. And I say this all the time. It's not that I mean, as adults, we have to sometimes make decisions and we can't ask our children what we should do, right? We need to do what's best for us as and making that adult decision. However, we could at least act sometimes as if their opinion matters and we could at least act as if we care about their opinion and how something's going to make them feel and especially of all things when we are talking about moving a home moving a child to a new home that is a huge transition for a child and then when you add to that that there's a possibility of them 
changing schools. And then on top of that, you're telling them maybe now they have to share a room or share a home with step siblings. They didn't sign up for any of this. And as exciting as it may be for all of you, it is important to let them feel as if this is a change in their life too, and that it matters to everybody. And so that's a wonderful point that you bring up. And thank you for saying that, because I think that all too many times we really uh, don't consider it. And so that's great. Now, if we move a little bit away from the emotional aspect of things, because those were all really good answers and help for us emotionally, let's talk about some physical issues. So for instance, Maybe a couple of things a family doesn't think about when blending with a physical house, like maybe something about the physical space, the size, the location. What are some things maybe you think they need to consider? Um, Like when you're out actually searching for a home for somebody, what are things that they need to know? Hmm. Well, you know, it depends on where, where you are. Uh, exactly what kind of challenges you're going to have. I mean, in San Francisco, I'll use that as an example, where uh, price per square foot, if you want to own a home, is really daunting, right? Like a a two-bedroom, one-bath house, um, not in the top neighborhood in town, is going to set you back to the tune of probably $1.4 million for starters. So, um, you know, if you're trying to put your blended family of seven into that space, you're going to have some challenges, right? And um, I think that children are amazingly, well, human beings, but children especially, amazingly resilient. And, um, And sometimes we worry a little too much about that, right? So, I think that the the wish list of the physical characteristics that we think are going to suit our blended family, um, that list can be a little misleading, right? Um, If we're trying to um, get each kid their own room or, um, you know, we have to have parking for one car plus two motorcycles plus bicycle storage you might not be able to get exactly what you have on that list. So it's trying to figure out how to, um, what are the qualities of the house? What is the feeling that you want in the house? And how can you translate that into a physical space um, that works for the different members of the family? Um, I mean, here in San Francisco, I know plenty of families where one uh, child is living in a closet, in a big walk-in closet, right? Um, it becomes the that private space that they needed. Uh, what that might mean is that mom can't have as many clothes and can't have this closet that she can walk into and look at all her shoes. Instead, there's a child who's actually living there. Um, and uh, I think that as uh, parents, and, and I don't want to be uh, uh, sexist as I say this, but uh, often the female is the one who's um, taking great care about the aesthetic of the house. I think um, we as women or anybody who cares deeply about the aesthetics in the house, you're going to have to give up on that a little bit. Um, 
because I, you're just not going to be able to control that and have, and have the home conform to your standards um, because everybody else's standards have to be considered. You know, do you know what I mean? Oh, 100%. And I love what you said. Just go for what you want the home to feel like for you, not necessarily all of the features, because you may not find all the features that you want, but it, does it have a general sense of what you're looking for? And the next thing I really wanted to discuss is creating a peaceful space, because one of the things that I talk about all the time is how to find peace, how to find peace, because that's something that I've always searched for, because no matter what's going on in my life, if I can feel peaceful in my home, then it just makes everything feel a little bit easier. And blended families just in general don't always feel peaceful as it is. It's, it's often very chaotic feeling, uh, being part of a blended family with all of the different schedules and different uh, emotions and personalities and everything else. So when we are looking at a home and if we're wanting to create a peaceful space, what are some things um, that we can do to find or create that in a home? Well, I think if we're looking at a physical space or what, wherever your home is, whether you're looking to purchase or rent one or whether you're already in one, I think figuring out some sort of a, um, a stand-in for the family hearth, you know, the old idea about gathering around the fire, um, a very primal sort of feeling and need, um, there should be some space that that you bring intention to having that space serve that function. Um, so it may be that just in the foyer, there might be a little table where one has uh, what we call a nature table, where people in the family can bring in little treasures from the outdoors and set them there. And, um, and so it's just a little quiet spot where you have some beautiful objects. Um, it might be that it's the kitchen table where everybody eats and you make a point of, of all eating together, at least, you know, maybe it's once or twice a week. Um, and, and which brings me to the, so having intention around a, a manifestation, a, a physical space that is peaceful. Um, and so in the kitchen table example, what then you want to bring in is some kind of ritual. Um, and with children, I think we have to be careful to not get too elaborate with this, right? Um, right? You don't want to have, okay, you know, now we're going to join hands and we're going to sing a song, right? You know, and then we're going to, everybody's going to say something about how they're feeling, right? It may not be that complicated. It might be as simple as um, family dinner on Sunday, all together, before you sit, pausing and lighting, lighting a candle and just waiting for three seconds before sitting down. Um, rhythm and ritual, predictability, consistency. Um, and just keeping it really simple so that, that people can, can comply with it, can do it, and it'll ground them and center them and make them feel like they belong. Um, I think that's, 
that's the way to start ritual and rhythm. I love that. Simple. Yeah, that's wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, one of the things that we do here when we start to feel we're a little bit cluttered here and we, we would rather not be so cluttered, but we have so much stuff um, and, you know, we need to get rid of it. But anyway, what we notice is that when we maybe haven't cleaned in a while or when the house is looking like it's too messy or too cluttered, um, it makes us feel a lot more peaceful if we can declutter a little bit, wipe down surfaces. We find that just even just doing that one simple thing really helps us to mm -hmm. feel more peaceful in our own house. So just making sure things, even if you don't have time to clean the house, just put things where they belong. Make sure everything has a place, I think makes just mm -hmm. a big difference because I know when I come home and there's stuff everywhere, I already start to feel anxious. And so I think that that's important uh. too. Yeah. That's that you're so right about that. I mean, our stuff, the the stuff is clutter that really clutters our psyches. Um, and what you just mentioned is a great way to establish a more peaceful home. Yeah. Yeah. And even if the rest of the house is messy, just your room, you know, our mm -hmm. adult room, we always make sure at least that's clean, you know, if, even if the rest of the house isn't. So let's talk for a minute, Cynthia, about families who've already been living together. They've been doing the blended family thing for a long time, and maybe they just never really went into it with intention. And so the family's already kind of into a bit of a chaotic pattern. Maybe the layout of the house isn't conducive and people are on top of each other. What are some changes that people can make to a home Instead of feeling like they have to separate families or they have to find a different home because it's not always possible, what are some things that people can think to look at right now to change to kind of make them feel like things start to work better for them? Well, I, I think it's, it's, it's a challenging situation because, um, again, we can't exert control, um, right? That's just kind of impossible top-down control uh, can be really hard. You can't solve change easily. So begin inside, start inside oneself with getting, having some uh, time to sit and reflect, um, seeking the advice of a therapist, um, speaking to someone, spiritual advisor, whatever it takes to Begin by taking care of oneself and, and um, giving oneself some compassion as the parent um, who's at the, uh, in the middle of this situation. And then beginning to have little circles go out, then bring in one's partner and trying to figure out how you can be together in the middle of the chaos what can what is the connection that you can have that can bring some peace uh, to the situation? And then those those concentric circles start going outward to include the children. Um, I know that sounds a little woo-woo, but um, I think beginning inside with yourself is really key. And you know, um, that can make the chaos more bearable as you begin to strive for a solution. Because um, there may not be a fix, right? Um, but there probably is. There probably are some wonderful, creative, effective ways 
to uh, make everybody uh, feel happier and more content. Yeah, I feel like there's just always have to something. Look for them. Yeah, there's always something you can do. I mean, even if it's throwing up some new paints or moving around. I love moving around furniture. You know, every few months I'll move something. <laughs> I'll move my tchotchkes around and move something around just so the space feels new and fresh and different. And I feel like if everyone can even have just, even if it's a corner of a room, if everyone has a very small space that's only theirs, that's really helpful too. Um, because I know everyone values privacy and you don't always have it in a blended family. You, you just reminded me of, that, of one of my favorite tips. And one of the things that I did with, with our children was we let them rearrange the furniture in the rooms that they were inhabiting as often as they wanted, right? Um, and both my ex-husband and my partner had some resistance to that, right? Like, what do you mean he wants to move the bed to that corner? Or what do you mean they want to put the desk under the chair, right? Um, but that just gave the children a feeling of autonomy and power um, and creativity. It was really fun for them. It's such a great idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly how we were talking about before. It's important to make them feel like they have some kind of a say that something matters the way that they feel. And that's a perfect way to do it. Let them decorate their room the way that they want. I mean, they have to live in there. And so I think that's a wonderful idea. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you. Why don't you tell the listeners how they can find you and connect with you? Um, well, I think that the primary way to connect with me is to look at my blog, which is realestatetherapy.org. Uh, for people who are in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, my retail uh, real estate business is Kindred, like um, like family, Kindred, Ken, Kindred SF, as in San Francisco, homes.com. And that's where you can learn about what I offer as a realtor. Um, but either one of those sites will give you what you need to know about me. That's wonderful. And for the listeners, I will put both of those links in the show notes for you. And I strongly encourage you to check out uh, everything that Cynthia has to offer. If you are in her area, that's great. You know, she can help you find your dream home. If not, check out her blog because she's got lots of valuable information for you. Uh, Cynthia, before we go today, I'd love for you to leave us with one piece of advice on mindfulness. So what's one thing that we can all do today when we get off of this call to bring a little bit of mindfulness into our own homes? <laughs> um, I think I would, I'll point to a tip that Tara Brock um, offers, um, which is to stop for a moment, get quiet, and think about a smile, close your eyes, you know, breathe quietly, and then think about a smile that is forming inside your mouth, in the middle of your mouth, a smile, and it's, it's reaching and arcing outward, and it goes all the way up, like into the sky, um, this beautiful smile that starts inside you and goes up and out into the blue sky. Um, just breathe with that for, for, you know, three breaths or 30 seconds or a minute or more, um, that can uh, really help 
one calm down and feel more grounded and feel more compassionate toward oneself. I love that. Thank you so much for being on the show today. And thank you for sharing all these wonderful tips with my listeners. We appreciate you. Thanks, Melissa. It's been great talking with you. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.